Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Good morning. I don't know which way to ask it. I don't know whether to ask uh, how many of you have been sick this week or how many have not been sick uh, this, this week as, as far as raising your uh, hands. Uh, y- y'all, y'all picked a bad Sunday last Sunday to have a uh, uh, birthday party uh, for me uh, turning 60 uh, because I've, I've been blamed for everyone being sick this week. Uh, after I've uh, you know, walked around seeing people. Last Sunday morning, I had a little bit of a cough and thought I just had a cold. Uh, by Sunday evening, I was running a fever. I uh, went to the doctor Monday, and they told me I uh, had uh, both uh, the flu and strep at the same time. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> anyway, I've had a little bit of a difficult uh, week, needless to say, and uh, a little bit of a difficult week in, as far as putting my study time in because I didn't feel like setting up. Uh, and on top of it, um, they gave me a cough syrup uh, that uh, has an ingredient called uh, hydrocodone. I'm not sure if you have ever uh, experienced that or not. Hydrocodone has not been my friend this week. Uh, and um, I did not take any this morning. Had I taken some this morning, I probably would be uh, laying in the floor uh, doing the message. Uh, instead, I'm going to be sitting here. I took some last night before I, I went to bed, but um, uh, I am still loopy this morning. So uh, you, you guys just pray for me. You understand it's going to be a little bit different approach, a little bit different type of uh, uh, message, and I'm probably going to have to sit here uh, a good bit so I don't fall off the stage uh, <clears throat> while we uh, try and start this new, uh, new series. Uh, we've got a lot of people that are sick in, in the community. Uh, you know, the flu's going around, strep's going around, stomach bugs going around. So uh, we've got a lot of people that aren't with us today because they're sick. So we need to uh, remember them uh, in, in prayer. Uh, so um, if, uh, if you saw me walking by today, especially if you're a first-time guest and you, and you thought, well, why didn't the, that fellow look like maybe he's a pastor because he had a little ditty on his ear uh, and, and everything. He didn't come speak to me. You don't want me to speak to you and shake your hand today. Uh, and, uh, and all. Uh, we're going to start a three-part series today uh, that's going to talk about uh, uh, vision equals mission. Um, I'd been planning on trying to do a, a vision mission series uh, really for a couple of months and seemed like the timing uh, that God always puts something else in front of it. Uh, and then today I kind of regret that we're starting it today when I don't feel very well. Uh, so I'll try and communicate the best that I can. Uh, it will be a different kind of message, though, uh, t- today, and hope I'll be better by, by next week. Um, most of you are aware that uh, about a year ago, uh, our church took what's called a transformational uh, church survey. It's something that was offered through the Baptist State Convention to where you can go online and answer several questions, and it's kind of perception-based uh, stuff and uh, would let us know maybe uh, where at least you perceive that we were. Uh, and um, as we tried to uh, move forward, our church turned uh, 13 years old uh, last year, uh, and we felt like it was kind of maybe time to back up, punt, try and uh, uh, recast some vision and mission, and uh, hopefully have us all on the same page and uh, use it as something that could uh, be a map for us to uh, more or less uh, follow. Uh, so uh, Dwayne Kirkendall with the uh, Baptist Convention in uh, Catawba uh, County came and led us through that, uh, that s- survey. Uh, he also met with our leadership team, and we did some, uh, some vision and, and mission uh, workshops with him. 
so that's where some of this has uh, come from, and uh, hopefully it will help us kindly to, uh, to, to, to relaunch uh, uh, vision and mission and understand a little bit what that is, is like. Um, one thing we discovered in the uh, Transformational Church Survey uh, that only about 39% of the people taking the survey had a perception that they understood what the vision was. And of course, that's a negative thing for us. There'll be some positive things uh, we'll celebrate out of that, but we felt like that we needed to definitely take steps in uh, various ways to try and uh, be sure that the, the church body understood what the vision and the mission of the church is. Um, a couple, few weeks back, uh, we put some signs up. Uh, they have a uh, vision statement and a mission statement. Of course, it's nothing but words unless we find a way uh, to apply it into the life of our church. But uh, I want to point out what those are and what we're going to do over the next three weeks is try and take time to break down uh, the, the vision and the mission statement and hopefully show how the two things uh, attach together. Uh, over on t- to my left, to your right, it's our vision statement. It says to be the body of Christ, to build believers, and to change the world. Uh, the Bible clearly tells us, and you'll see this morning as we look at a lot of verses in 1 Corinthians 12, also in Romans 12, uh, that we are considered to be the body of Christ. Uh, that means we need to act and function like the body of Christ, as you'll see in a, a few moments. Uh, one of the goals that we're given in the New Testament is to build each other up. So we need to be building believers. And in the process of being the body of Christ and building each other up, something else ought to be taking place, and that's where we're changing the world. We're transforming people uh, in the world by us sharing the gospel as we grow up and, and live out our faith before them. Uh, our mission statement over on the other side uh, is to uh, connect them with God, uh, connecting with others and, and connecting others uh, with God. Uh, hopefully you'll see how these two things fit together as we go through uh, through this series. We need to be connecting with God because we're part of his body. Uh, it only makes sense, as you'll see also in the message today, we need to be connecting with him. Uh, if we're going to be building believers up, we have to take time to connect with believers. Uh, also, to connect with others if we're going to impact their lives and build each other up. And if we're going to change the world, we're going to have to connect other people with God uh, in order to transform the world that, uh, that we live in. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys are already as sick of the political season as I am. Uh, I'm not trying to make a Republican statement or a Democrat statement or a Tea Party statement or anything like that. Uh, but I am, uh, I'm sick and tired of them calling each other names and, uh, and everything. I mean, what does it matter if someone's got a spray tan or someone's got little hands or someone's, uh, little stature or, or whatever the case is? But that seemed like they, uh, that's all they know how to do right now is kind of, uh, uh, sling mud and call each other names. But, you know, it's probably good that I'm frustrated with that, and I hope maybe you're frustrated with it for this reason, that's not the answer anyway. You recognize that? That's not going to fix our world. That's not going to fix our our culture. The only thing that's going to fix our world is Jesus and uh, and us being as connected to him as we should be as believers and us allowing God to work through our lives to change the lives of others. Uh, So uh, that being said, uh, what we're going to do today is take the first part of the, uh, the vision statement uh, which says be in the body of Christ. Uh, and then we're going to take the first part of uh, our mission statement connecting with God and hopefully see how those two things uh, can, can fit together. We, we try to make the, the, the vision and the mission statement simple because we want it to be something you can remember. If it's like a whole paragraph and it's really complex, someone might ask you, uh, you know, even on the other side of just going through this series, well, what's the vision of the church? And you might say, well, I, I don't know, man, there were so many words in it, I, I can't remember. So we want to make it simple. 
to where if anyone asks you, you can say, oh yeah, we're, we're supposed to be the body of Christ. We're supposed to be building up believers. We're supposed to be changing the world to where you can remember that and uh, not just remember it, but actually allow it to mean something uh, to, to your life. Uh, we, we want it to be something more than just a cute statement. We're wanting this to, to be something that's like a, a map for us. You see, within these statements that we're talking about, uh, we ought to be, able to be able to discover what we're to be about as a church. You know, who it is God wants us to be uh, as a church. We ought to have marching orders uh, within these statements, but also a map that tells us how to carry out our marching orders. As we think about these statements, it ought to have God's purpose uh, in God's plan to how we can accomplish his purpose. As you think about these statements, we need to think, well, maybe this is, or is this God's destiny for us? Is this where God's calling us to go uh, as a church and as believers? And, and if so, uh, then we need God's direction in order to, to get us there. Uh, also during the series, I'm going to try and unpack some of the survey results uh, that we have had. Not too many of them today, but some of them uh, today. And we'll notice there's some weaknesses, but also some strengths that maybe we can, um, we can celebrate. Uh, vision for a church is really this. If you want to boil it down, make it simple. Vision for a church is, is us seeing what God wants us to be, who God wants us to be. It's what it boils down to. It's not just a cute statement. It's not, you know, just some kind of catchy phrase. Since we're talking about a church and the church belongs to Jesus, he bought and paid for with his shed blood. I'll come back to a verse near the end of the message that teaches that. But uh, with it being his church, and we need to be concerned about what, what he wants and what his will and what his purpose is for the church. So today the title is this, Be the Body of Christ Through Connecting with God. Now, up front, someone might ask, well, why in the world do we need anything like vision and mission statements uh, to begin with? Well, Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. He said, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you would be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. So in other words, a vision and mission statement can kindly help facilitate us having the same mind uh, and us having the same plan, us being on the same page more or less, like a team trying to work from the same playbook and, and trying to move forward on the field that God's given us uh, of ministry as we try and have the same mind. So uh, with that in mind today, all that kind of background stuff, uh, let's kind of consider how vision ought to equal mission. So to start with, let's talk about the first aspect of our, our vision today. Be the body of Christ. Be the body of Christ. The Bible calls us that. Uh, whether you're aware of it or not, whether you feel like that or not, the Bible says that if you're a child of God, if you trust your Christ as your Savior, that puts you into the body of Christ. Uh, so how can we better be the body of Christ? First of all, be the body of Christ by following Christ as the head. By following Christ as the head of the church. That, that's a very important step that we need to understand. Uh, if we're going to be the body of Christ, we need to follow him as the head of the church. Paul wrote this in Colossians chapter 1, <coughs> verse 17 and 18. And he, talking about Christ, is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. In other words, God's the one that used Jesus, God the Son, as a creative agent. He spoke creation into existence. He's holding uh, everything together. And he's the head of the body, the church. And he's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Some translations saying that everything he might have the preeminence. 
So Christ is before all things. That means he's to be of first importance. Christ is the creator of all things. As I said just a moment ago, the Bible teaches God used Jesus to speak creation into existence. And it also tells us that he's the head of the body. So that means that he's the head of the body, just like a physical head is the head of a human body. We need to be allowing him to dictate uh, to us as the body of Christ what we're to do. Uh, right now, my head's not doing too good of a job dictating to me what I need to say this morning because of the ingredient in the cough syrup I told you about earlier uh, that I'm taking. I, I'm, I'm as foggy-headed as I have ever been, uh, probably trying to preach a message up here uh, this morning. And about halfway through the first service, I started to say, you guys read it, just go on home, read it. And, uh, and we're done for today because I just didn't feel like I could, could hardly communicate. But normally, uh, we have a head up here and that head you know, dictates to our body, uh, you know, sends out messages, what, what we need to do, what the body needs to do, how it needs to function. And in the similar way, Jesus being the head of the church, we need to be allowing him to send out the messages to dictate to us exactly how we need to, to operate. Uh, the way you might ask that question might simply be this, you know, who's, who's the head of the church and the answer to that would be Jesus. The, the word for preeminence that's used here, uh, means this to be first in rank, or influence, to be foremost in time, place, order, importance, to be fore, in front of, prior, superior to, above, or over all. So the answer to the question is, who, you know, who owns the church, or who's the head of the church, or who's the boss of the church? And that answer is Jesus. It's not me. It's not you. It's not some other group of people. The boss of the church is supposed to be Jesus. Now, it's easy for us to say that, and, and I, and I want to recognize that and camp out there just for a moment. It's really easy for us to have in a vision statement that Jesus is the head of the church uh, and we're supposed to belong to the body. He's the head and we're supposed to belong to the body and, and do what Jesus tells us to do. It's easy for us to doctrinally say that, for us to say we know the Bible says that Jesus is the head. The issue is this, the issue is application. Not only do we need to say that Jesus is the head, we need to act like Jesus is the head. We, we need to allow him to communicate to us what we're supposed to be about. Once again, it's not my whim. It's not what culture tells us we ought to be about. It's what Jesus as the head of the body tells us that we need to be about. We need to follow him because he's the head of the church. He's the one that ought to tell us what we're to do. Amen? You believe that? I mean, he's the only one going to give us perfect information anyway. I'm flawed. You're flawed. Everyone's flawed. If we, if we don't get our information from him and his word. So up front, we need to understand that if we're going to be the church he wants us to be, we need to let him be the, the head of the church. We need to follow him as the head of the church. Secondly, not just following him, but you need to be functioning as a member of the body of Christ. You need to be following him as the head, but you need to be functioning as members of the body of Christ. Uh, there, there are several verses that in the first service, I read through all of them. I don't think my voice will make it in this second service if I read through all the verses. So I'm going to tell you guys, you probably need to go home and read some of this. But I'm going to talk through some of it and hopefully make the best points I can this morning with the way I'm feeling. And uh, you go from there. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's, there's a lot in that passage of Scripture uh, about how the body, talking about the church, is made up of many members. And yet, even though there's many members, we make up that one body. Uh, we've all been baptized into one body, it tells us. We've all been made to drink of the same one spirit, the one Holy Spirit of God. Uh, and that puts us into that one body. It tells us again, verse 14 and 16, uh, the body doesn't consist just of one, but of, of many. 
And it tells us that we can't say because uh, I'm not that part of the body, then I don't really belong to the body. It says there that a, a hand can't say uh, I don't belong to the body because it wasn't a foot or vice versa. Or uh, an ear can't say because I'm not an eye. I don't belong to the body. But I want you to notice what it says in verse 27. It says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So that's telling us as believers, if you know Christ as your Savior, you're part of the body of Christ. And while it's one body, we all individually make up the various members of the body of Christ. In other words, we ought to function, we ought to operate as a body of Christ. Now, there are two main ways I want to say that we ought to, to do that. Um, Lynn, if I follow you, can come help me back to my chair uh, and, uh, and everything. I'm not joking a whole lot, guys. You probably think I am, but that... Uh, that, that, that um, medicine, uh, uh, something else. But uh, anyway, uh, either that or I'm not used to strong stuff like that. But um, I, I want us to talk about unity and I want us to talk about ministry. Uh, unity and ministry. Uh, we need to function in unity. And then in a minute, I'll, I'll point out how we need to function in, in, in ministry. We, we need to function in unity because one, we're connected together and we're supposed to, just like a human body. Uh, it is connected together. We as believers are, are connected together. In 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 26, uh, he says again the same thing I, uh, I referred to a moment ago. The eye uh, can't save the hand. I haven't have any need of you. Or, or again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. Uh, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable. Now, I'm not going to read all that, uh, but come down to verse 25. And, and it says that there be no division in the body. But the members may have the same care one for another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. Uh, what he's basically saying is, is this. Just like a physical body is made up of various parts, so is a church made up of various parts. Just as God planned that there are different purposes and different functions within the body, so he planned that also within the church. And we need to recognize as believers, we've been brought together. We've been unified together. That means we don't need to uh, be allowing things for, for division or uh, to, to take place in, instead of someone getting uh, upset that someone's being honored or uh, if someone hurts and somebody else isn't hurting. We, we need to view ourselves as part of that same body. If one person is honored, we ought to rejoice that that one person is, has been honored. If one person is hurting, they're going through a difficult time. We all ought to hurt because we're unified in, in one body. We're connected together. So in, in, in unity, we need to feel the same stuff for each other. We need to, that we need to care for each other as we should. Uh, we did a series a little bit over a year ago that, uh, that talked about the, the church and what the church looked like. Uh, and in with that, one illustration I gave you, uh, talking about the physical body, um, imagine what would happen if part of the physical body all of a sudden decided, I'm going to keep the nutrients for myself. You know, I'm not going to pass it on to the next cell. I'm not going to pass it on to the next part of the body. What would happen is this. You'd have sickness and disease and attrition uh, set up in the body. If part of the body decided I'm going to keep it all for myself and not pass it on. Uh, the same thing happens in the church. We're not healthy as we ought to be as a church if, if we get exalted in pride or we think we're more important than someone else and we try and hold everything into ourselves instead of caring for each other as we should. Then the church will not be as healthy uh, as it should be either. 
Uh, think about uh, a body, a physical body, uh, being really conflicted for a moment. In other words, if, if a physical body were to be so conflicted, part of that body wants to go this direction. At the same time, part of the body wants to go this direction, a human physical body. What you have is, is something that looks very spastic and very uncoordinated. And regrettably, that's the picture that the church gives many times because part of the body's wanting to go this direction, part of the body's wanting to go that direction. Instead of being in unity and recognizing the part of the same body called of the same purpose, it looks very, uh, very odd to the world around us. It looks very spastic to the world around us because we're not caring for each other as we ought to. We're not functioning as we ought to as, as a body. So not only should we function in unity because we ought to be connected together, we ought to function in ministry also. And that's the second aspect I told you I wanted to talk about. The reason we need to function in ministry as one body is because we're more effective together. We're more effective as all of us ministering together than we are if we try and minister separately. Uh, <coughs> I've, I've used this before, and you've heard me allude to it. There's some churches out uh, in, in America over the last few years that's called mega churches that become mega churches, and it's real easy for us to look at a mega church and see, well, they've got 100 people on staff. You know, and think, my goodness, what they ought to be able to accomplish if they've got 100 people on staff. But you see, that church that has 100 people on staff, they also have probably 10,000 people attending in, in, uh, in, in worship. And I'll, you want to hug while you're up here? You want to kiss while you're up here? Okay. Oh, I'm afraid I'm going to fall. <clears throat> Thank you. Now my voice goes because it's cold water. It'll be her fault. And, uh, you know. But, but, but a church, think about that. If a church is running 30,000 people, you might think there's no churches that there are. There are churches in America that run 30,000 people on Sunday. Even if they had 100 people on staff, what can accomplish the most? 100 staff people or 30,000 people? 30,000 people. And even in a church our size, you know, we've got two full-time staff, two part-time staff. Uh, well, what can accomplish more? You know, four people or about 300 people doing everything that God's called them to do? See, that, that, that's why we need to, to function in ministry because we're more effective together as we function together in ministry. In verse 17 of chapter 12 through 20, it says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. You, you're not the one that designed your body, God did. And we're not the one that's designed the church. God is the one that, that designs the church. And he goes on and says, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts in yet one body. He's using an illustration about the church and about the human body that basically tells us this. Just as a human body needs all of its parts performing the God-given, God-designed, God-equipped roles that God gave the parts of the body, in the same way the church, the body of Christ, needs all the parts of the body filling the God-designed, the God-purposed, the God-given gifts that he's given you to carry out. And if not, we're something less than what he intends the, the church to be. Anything less than that makes the church look rather odd. I've used this illustration when I've talked about the body before. He said, if the whole body were an eye. You know, can you imagine that for a minute? You're walking down the street and all of a sudden there's nothing but an eyeball meets you on the street. You know, I would suggest you'd probably run the other way, you know, some of you. Uh, some of you might, you know, might shoot it and call the newspaper and get your picture made with it or uh, something like that. But it, but it would be a very strange thing to be walking down the street and you just see that one, one, one element. 
Yeah, it wouldn't be fulfilling all the purposes of a human body. Man, the church looks really weird sometimes and really odd sometimes because we're not doing everything God's called us to do because all the parts aren't functioning. All the parts aren't doing what, how God has gifted them and how God has equipped them and God designed them. Uh, it goes on in verse 28 through 31, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, uh, administrating, various kinds of tongues, are all apostles? And of course, he's, the answer he expects from all these questions is no. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all do miracles? No. Do all possess gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But then he says, but desire the higher gifts and I will show you still a more excellent way. The point he's making is this. We all have a role to fulfill. We, we all have gifts that God has given us. We all have our part to do, and we need to figure out our part and do it. And then when he says a more excellent way, he launches into 1 Corinthians 13, which is what chapter? The love chapter. That we're to do all things in love. That's to be the motive that we have as we function more effectively together. We'll do that as we, we do it out of love. Go to Romans 12 just for a moment. In Romans 12, verse 4 and 8, some really similar information that we find in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, as far as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. There we are united again together, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. And then I put this in bold and underlined it. Let us use them. And then he goes on and he specifies if prophecy, then you're to do the prophecy in proportion of the ability that God's given you, in proportion of your faith. If in service, then you're to do your serving as God has gifted you to. One who teaches, then you're to teach as God has gifted you to, is what he's saying. One who exhorts, then you're to be involved in exhortation as God has gifted you. One who contributes in generosity, you're supposed to practice generosity. And one who leads with zeal. And one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Be happy and glad that you can do acts of ministry and acts of mercy for other people. The point is simply this. All Christians do not have the same gifts, but... All Christians do have a gift. Now, now think about that for a moment. All of us don't have the same gift, and you see that's really wise that God designed it like that, the same way he designed our human body. The human body has distinctive purposes. The same way God is building the church, all of us don't have the same gifts, and that's good because all of us don't need to do the same thing. God has special talents and gifts that he's given you, that he's invested into you. And, and all of us need to, to use our gifts. We need to use them. That's the point he's making when he said, let us use them. We need to use the gifts that he's given us combined with the body, combined with others. So in cooperation together, in coordination together, we, we can be the body of Christ. We can be all that he wants us to be because everyone is doing their part. Everyone is doing their, their role. Each member of the body at Day 3 Church, bringing it down to a local church format, each person that's a member of Day 3 Church is important. And each person has an, an, an important role. Uh, I, I won't call a name right now or anything, but a, a friend of mine in the church, sometimes if he'll want to mention something to me or ask me something about it, he'll, he'll start in uh, like this. And he said, well, I know it's not any of my business because like I'm not on the leadership team. And I'll stop him and I'll say, don't you say that again. It is part of your business because you're part of the church, amen? 
All the church is important. You know, and, and all of us, you, you, all of us ought to have input, but not just input by thoughts or by complaints or by critique. We ought to also have input by what we do and, and how we minister because each person is vitally important and we want each person to learn how to serve at day three. One thing we also found out in the, in the transformational church survey is that, um, we need to do a better job building future leaders. Uh, we need to do a better job helping people mature uh, in, in their faith. And that's probably not just true of us guys. That's true of the church as a, as a whole. I talked to Dwayne after we took the survey, and he, he said, you'd be surprised how many churches don't have anything to celebrate at all uh, after, they go, after they go through that, through that survey uh, and, and all, but we discovered, uh, by reading through the, the survey that we needed to find a, a, a better, more consistent system in trying to raise up, uh, leaders. We had had from, from day one, uh, in day three church, uh, we'd had some membership training. Our problem was we weren't as consistent with it and we weren't always making it through all the levels of the membership training. Uh, what we used to have was something we called 101, and in 101, I would kind of teach about salvation and church membership, the Lord's Supper, uh, and uh, baptism, what that meant, and, and talk some about uh, how the church was structured and, and some about how to become a member. Then there was a second level uh, that was being taught that would teach people how to grow as a Christian uh, that would be offered at a completely different time. And then there's a third level about how to discover your spiritual gifts that would also be taught at a completely different time. And then there was one on evangelism, on sharing your faith that wasn't being taught often at all. So one thing we decided to do, and this isn't all we need to do, but one thing we've decided to do to try and more consistently develop people is for us to teach all of those classes to, to bring them down to where they're a little bit more concise and teach all those classes every month. And the way we're doing it is this. Uh, I teach a class that's entitled First Steps and Growing Steps. Uh, and in the First Steps and Growing Steps, I am teaching what it means to be a Christian. Uh, I'm talking about things like the Lord's Supper, what that means, uh, what baptism means. I'm teaching the vision and mission stuff that you'll be hearing over the last few weeks uh, to new people as they come through that class. I'm talking about the structure of the church, in other words, how the church is governed and decisions we make and things like that. And then I'm also teaching in that same two-hour class, uh, giving people some basic tools that can help them start growing as a Christian, whether they understand how to pray and how to study the Bible and things they need to be about developing habits in their lives so they can consistently grow. Uh, at the same time I'm teaching that class, Daryl is teaching a class about how to discover your spiritual gifts and, uh, and how to share your faith. You need to take the one I teach first, unless you showed up yesterday and you had to teach, take the one that Daryl taught because I couldn't do it. Because I knew if I tried to teach a tarot class yesterday, I wouldn't be able to speak probably this, this morning. But the normal thing will be this. Every month, we're going to be offering that class. And if you've never been through the membership classes, please come and go through them. If you've already been through them and you want to see what's new in it, then please sign up and go through it. Because every month, there's going to be a Saturday to where I will be teaching first steps and growing steps. And then if you've taken that class, the next month, 
you can take the, the serving steps and the sharing steps and learn more about how God wired you, how you can serve in this church. Daryl help you find a way to plug into serving in the church and also learn some basic ways about how to share your faith to where you don't feel like you don't have the ability to tell someone else how to come into faith in Christ. So we're trying to do that on a consistent basis, unless I'm sick like I was yesterday, to where that will happen every month. Now, that's not all we need to do, but that's part of what we're wanting to do to try and fix a better system for us to where we are, are helping people move along uh, in, in, in their faith. So our vision is that. Our vision is being part of the body of Christ. We need to be part of the body of Christ because the Bible tells us we're that, but we need to act like we're that. We need to act like it in unity because we're connected together. We need to be trying to have the same mind, uh, the same mindset to love each other, care for each other. But we also need to be of the same body of Christ. We need to be uh, by being a functioning church member, not just by being a unified church member, but being a functioning church member, everybody figuring out their role in, in, in doing their role in ministry. Now, let's see how the mission part, the first part of the mission statement fits in with what I've just talked about. Because the mission statement is this. The first part of the mission statement we're looking at today is connecting with God. Here's the vision once again. The vision is be the body of Christ. The mission is connecting with God. I will submit to you, if we're going to be the body of Christ and know what that means, we better be connecting with God. You understand how logical that is, how that fits together? How, how can I understand what it is to be the body of Christ if I'm not taking time to connect with him? If I'm not connecting with him as I, as I should. The, the vision of being the body of Christ is encouraged and enhanced by us connecting with God. You see, it's only logical if we're the body of Christ, we need to connect with the head. We, we need to be finding out what the head wants to communicate with us. We need to be spending time connecting with God in order to understand what being the body actually means. Now, let me illustrate it like this. If you take a human body and you disconnect it from its head, it's not going to function very good, is it? Not very long and not very well at all if you disconnect a human body uh, from its head. In the same way, if we are spiritually disconnected from Jesus... If we're spiritually disconnected from God, you can say you're part of the body all you want to be, but you're not going to understand what it means to be part of the body if you're not spending time connecting with the head. If we allow ourselves to become detached from the head. Now, I'm not talking about doctrinally in light of eternity. If you belong to Jesus, you're his forever. Amen. But in a practical way, you can so live your life as though you're a practical atheist, as though you don't belong to God at all and miss the impact that God wants to make in your life. Well, what I'm saying, being part of the body of Christ will only take place to the degree that it needs to if we are staying connected to the head spiritually. If we're spending time connecting to, to the head as we should spiritually. Now, I want to talk about three, three main strategic areas that that needs to happen in. The first of you might think is rather elementary, but uh, you don't need to miss it because it doesn't work if you miss the first part. Connecting with God involves salvation. You, you cannot, and, and listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be uh, big. That's what the world, what our culture wants to say when I make statements like I'm making right now. But if we try and say Jesus is the only way, it's like we're, we're just a bunch of hateful bigots. 
Well, to, to me, I, I, I don't wear that badge very well because you see the Jesus that I say you have to trust in died for the whole world. He, he spread his arms and died for your sins. The, the only way you can connect with God, the only way you can connect with God is through Jesus. There, there's no other ground for you to stand in a relationship with God except the blood ground of the cross and, and what Jesus paid for you on the cross. It tells us this in Acts chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And then notice what it says in, in verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else. Now, now, I understand that a lot of people in the world don't like that because they want to believe, well, as long as I believe sincerely in Muhammad or if I believe sincerely in Buddha or whatever I believe in, as long as I sin- I'm sincere, listen, you pick up a bottle of poison and think it's a soft drink and you drink it sincerely thinking it's a soft drink and it'll still kill you. But because God, being the creator of the universe, God has the right to choose the way we have a relationship with him. And the Bible clearly tells us there's salvation in no one else. You're not going to get it through some other method. You're not going to get it by following, you know, some other, quote, religious leader. There's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is the only name that works. Jesus is the only person that works. And you can't begin to be part of the body and have a connection with God until you connect with God by admitting you're a sinner and trusting in Jesus. So that's the first thing you have to do. On the other side of doing that, trusting Christ as your Savior, there's this thing called discipleship that scares people to death. We need to connect with God, and that involves salvation, but connecting with God also involves discipleship. It involves discipleship, connecting with God through growing as a Christian. I don't know why discipleship, why that word scares people so bad. Uh, I I think part of it might be because maybe you grew up in a church to where you went to a, a maybe a training union and somebody that was willing to lead the class was talked into leading the class by the nominating committee and they put a quarterly in their hand and you showed up on Sunday night after you'd had supper and they sat there and they're reading in a monotone voice everything that says in the quarterly and you're sitting there just about to fall asleep. Now I realize that's not what happened in all training unions, but I've been there and that happened in a lot of them. And I think some people think, man, if that's discipleship, I don't want to have anything to do with it. See, the discipleship shouldn't be anything that's scary to you at all or anything that sounds negative. Discipleship is basically this, you and me becoming more like Jesus. That's what discipleship is. Man, that ought to be exciting. That, that we can be more like Jesus, we can become more, more like him. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 says, Let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. And in 2 Peter 3.18 it says, Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We, we need to be involved in things that help us to grow as Christians. Now, I'll see Becky sometimes when she gets a chance to hold one of the new babies that have been born and, and, uh, and, and everything. And we, you know, we were in the hospital uh, uh, just uh, uh, the, the other week and uh, uh, 
Matt and Carrie's got a, a new baby. We're going to kind of wait till a, a, another week. We didn't have pictures on the screen to put it up or anything like that. And, 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 and Beck, you know, Beck is holding the, the baby, and then she comes over to me like I'm supposed to be just as excited, you, you, you know. It's been a while since I've uh, held one and everything, but it is neat. It's nice and everything like that, you, you know, to have a, have a little baby. And, and, and we miss the fact that ours... Uh, our children anymore. You know, parents just miss that, the fact that they've, that they've grown up. But at the same time, the point is we want them to grow up. Amen? I mean, I, I, I love Jared. He's my youngest one. But if my youngest one were still wearing diapers and drinking in a, in a bottle, can you see me holding Jared and having to change his diapers and pop a bottle in his mouth at 23 years old? You know, that wouldn't be much fun at that point in time. And just like our, our goal is to see our children be able to grow up and take care of themselves, our, God's goal for us as Christians is to get us beyond the baby stage, to get us beyond the stage of just being bottle-fed, to, to get us beyond the stage of just being like a, like a baby and someone's having to care for us and change our diaper whenever we get upset. And instead, God wants us to be at the, the point that we're becoming more and more like Jesus, where we're becoming more and more like him. Coming to church on Sunday morning can help, but that won't get the job done. Going to the membership classes that we're offering you, that can help. We can design those things and offer them, but if you don't come, it doesn't help you if you don't come. And even, and even if you do come, that doesn't take care of everything that needs to take place in your life. We have something we call life groups, which are small groups that get together and, and study the Bible. They've not been going very long this semester. We've just kind of started back. It's still time that you can get engaged in a small group, and it's very important to do so. But even that doesn't fix it because you, on a one-on-one -on -one basis, you need to be spending time studying the Bible each and every day of your life. Reading the Bible, letting God speak to you, and you spend time in prayer talking to God. Because just Sunday morning doesn't take care of it. When I said discipleship, if you thought a few minutes ago, oh, I do that. I, I, I pick my church up on Sunday morning, my Bible up on Sunday morning, I go to church, and, and I sit there, and I, we sing songs, and I, and I listen to the message, and then I go home, and, and I put my Bible back on the shelf until next week, and then I come, and I'm in the discipleship thing again on Sunday morning. Listen, if that's what you think is discipleship, you are not growing like God wants you to grow. We, we couldn't have enough worship services, enough times last long enough to disciple you. You have to be interested in it and take care of it yourself, too. But at the same time, you need other people helping you. That's why I'm going to come back to our small groups, our life groups for a minute. In the Transformational Church Survey, the perception was uh, we had 77.2% either moderately or strongly agree with this statement. They, they, they believe that life groups were very important in our church. That was 77.2% agreeing that life groups were very important. 72.8% believe that when people were plugged into a life group, they were cared for and ministered for very well. Now, now here's the difference. If you're not plugged into a life group, all you do is show up on Sunday morning, somebody might not even know your name. If they don't know your name, they might just know your face. They definitely don't know what you're going through. They don't understand what prayer requests you have, what you're wrestling with. But if you're meeting with a small group of believers every week, you're connecting with those people, and those people can help you grow as a Christian. 
And when you're going through tough times, they know you're going through tough times. You can share with them and they can follow up with you and care for you. But you see, that don't happen, will not happen in the, in the confines of a large worship service. You want to know how many people I think ought to be involved in a small group? 100% of the people that are part of day three church ought to be involved in a small group. And those that are involved in a small group will tell you the difference it makes in their lives because I see them posted on Facebook and, uh, and, and things like that. The difference is taking place. But, but you have to buy into it. You have to be willing to do it. So 72.8% believe if you're plugged into a small group that they're cared for very well. But only 52.2% agreed moderately or strongly that new people are taught the importance of community with other believers. Now, that's perception. I've got a little bit different perception myself because I know kind of what I say week in and week out and stuff. And part of my perception is some of you don't listen, (laughs) you know. But can I say it in a way that every one of you ought to understand it where it's clear in your mind? Being plugged into a small group is important. Because it's part of your becoming more like Jesus. It's part of your discipleship life. And I'll talk more about community next, next week. We're supposed to be the body of Christ. That's enhanced us understanding what it means to be the body of Christ as we're connecting with him. We're connecting with God. Because the head is letting us know what we're supposed to be about. We have to connect, start with a salvation. Then you need to connect in discipleship to grow to be more like him. A third thing you need to do is this. You need to be connecting with, with God through worship. Through worship. Connecting with God involves worship. <laughs> now, once again, someone's going to probably say, hey, I did that this morning. I came to church and we sang the songs and I stood there. I connected with God in worship. And so I've, I've, I've been there and I've done that. But you see, that's not all that worship is. Worship is more than showing up on Sunday morning, singing some songs and listening to a message. I'll even go as far as to say this. You can show up on Sunday morning, sing the songs, go through the motions and everything else and not have worshiped one lick while you were here. Jesus said this about worship. He said, but the hour is coming now is here. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. You see, it's a spiritual thing that takes place. If you come and just look at the screen and sing, or maybe you don't even sing what's going on, that don't mean you've worshiped. There needs to be a spiritual connection that's taking place in your heart and your mind between you and God. That's what worship is. But not just here. Though the Bible also says this in Psalm 22, verse 3, in the King James, it says, But thou art holy, talking about God, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. If you want to worship God, if you want to feel the presence of God, you don't have to be here. Wherever you're at, you can worship God. Remember how holy God is and worship Him. And as you're worshiping God, He inhabits the praise that you're giving Him. So for us to be growing as a church as we need to, it's not going to happen that you just worship it on Sunday. You need to be spending time worshiping him in spirit and truth, yes, on Sunday, but also in your home, also in your small groups, 
You can ride down the road worshiping him. Don't do it with your eyes closed. But we need to be living a a life of worship. See, worship is really about all that we are in our lives because in Romans 12, 1, Paul wrote these words, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You need to get beyond the idea of worship being you come to church, you stand and you sing songs, and that was your worship. Your worship is you coming to God and saying, God, here's my body. Here's all that I am. You take me and you use me however you want to use me, at church, away from church, at my job, wherever it is. God, here I am, I'm yours. Take me and use me. That's my spiritual worship. See, that's what worship is. And we need to grow beyond thinking it's just going to... to a worship service because you're not connecting with God to the degree you need to. If we're going to be the body of Christ that he wants us to be, we're going to have to be sure we're connected to him through salvation. We're going to have to be connecting with him through discipleship to where we're growing and connect with him through worship to where we understand exactly what the body is, what we're supposed to be doing as a body. It takes all those elements plus more for us to really be the body of Christ. And I just gave you three basic ones. If you want to spend time connecting with God, you've got to do it in salvation. You have to do it in discipleship, in maturity, grow to where he wants you to be in your life. Allow him to allow you to grow towards spiritual maturity. And you need to spend time worshiping him. So you're connecting with God all that you can. And the more we connect with God, the more we understand what it is to be the body. The more we can function as the body. <clears throat> In a transformational church survey, in the category of worship, 76.1% said that day three church has a sense of expectation concerning our worship services. In other words, 76% were saying we come expecting something to happen. We come looking forward to the music. We come expecting something to take place. But only 34.8% Strongly agree that people in our church spend time worshiping God during the week. See, that's a problem. You need to spend time worshiping God all week long. And if you'll understand, that involves all that you are. And that involves you offering your body to God. You'll change your perspective about what worship really is. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to talk more about things like community, relational intentionality, leadership, prayer, mission, and and the missionary mindset. Uh, I'll be unpacking some more things out of the survey that we took uh, last year. Uh, But what I'm hoping we'll do is we consider these things in in this series. I'm hoping that we'll all buy into being all that we can be so day three can be all that it can be, not for day three church, for the glory of God. For us being everything we can be for God's glory. The Bible clearly, without reservation, tells us <clears throat> that we're the body of Christ. If you're a believer, you're part of the body of Christ. With that being true, all believers being part of the body of Christ, that tells me that part of our vision must be that we're trying the best we can to be the body of Christ, all he wants us to be. Vision for a church is not like vision for a corporation. 
to where you come up with maybe you think you've got the best coffee in the world now. So your, your vision is you're going to make the best coffee in the world or whatever. You come up with a neat phrase about it and, and things like that. You see, vision for a church isn't self-driven. It better not be. Vision for a church better be God-driven. It better be based in the eternal purposes of God. God tells us that we're part of his body. That means our vision must include that, that we're going to be the body of Christ so we can build each other up, so we can change the world. God calls us the body of Christ. Our vision has to be connected to his vision and into his word. Vision for the church isn't open to just coming up with a cute, catchy phrase. Our vision needs to be God's vision. Mission for the church is this. Mission is us finding out what God's mission is and walking in that mission. We're told this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So if God's got plan prepared beforehand, things for us to do, our mission is to find out what those are and do them. I know that sounds oversimplified. It is simple. The problem is us fleshing it out and doing it in real time and walking in the mission that he's, that he's given us. This series on vision and mission is to remind us who the vision belongs to. It belongs to him. It's to remind us whose mission it is. It's his mission that he's given us to carry out. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 says this. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now, that's, that's addressed to me. But he goes on and he says, which he obtained in his own blood. You want to know why we need to be concerned about a vision and why we need to be concerned about a mission? You want to know why day three church even needs to exist? You want to know why we need to be the body of Christ and why we need to be building each other up and why we need to be changing the world? You want to know why we need to do all those things? Because Jesus paid for us. He paid for us. He purchased us. He suffered in my place. He suffered in your place with his blood that he shed on the cross. That's why we need to be concerned about vision and mission. Let's pray. Father, forgive us when we just operate day in and day out as individuals or as a church as though we've got the right to do so without checking things with our head. Father, help us to understand that Jesus is the head of the church. He's the head and we're the body. Help us to be obedient to him. Help us to function in unity with each other, to love and care for each other. Help us to to function in ministry together because we'll be so much more effective with all of us doing our part than we can ever be alone. Father, help us to be so connected to you that we clearly understand what you've called us to do. 
that we clearly understand what it means to be the body. Father, if there's someone this morning in this place that has never said yes to Jesus, I pray right now you'd make them honest before you and that they would admit to you they can't save themselves and that they would call out by faith right now and believe in Jesus who paid for them on the cross with his own blood. Father, I pray for those of us that already know him. Help us to be busy about doing what you've called us to do. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, why, why not this morning before you decide, well, let's just go have lunch, let's go take off, let's go somewhere. There's something more important that needs to take place in your life if you don't know Christ. Why not trust in Him who died on the cross for you this morning? And most Sundays, I dare say, a high percentage, very high percentage of us will say, hey, I already know Jesus as my Savior. I'm already part of the body. Well, can I ask you a a serious question if you think you're already part of the body, if you are already part of the body? Can can I ask you this? What part would that be? What part would that be? What what part are you fulfilling? What role are are you performing? What gifts do you have that God's given you? And, And how are you using them? And and you might be saying, well, I, I can't figure all that out yet. Then come and talk to us so we can, can help you figure that out. It is too important for us to waste. I, I think time's drawing short. Look at the world that we live in. We need to be the church. We need to be all that God's called us to be. And if you need help figuring out what that means in your life, please, please come and talk to us. So maybe you need to volunteer in this invitation. Maybe you need to come and bow and say, God, I, I don't know what it is yet, but help me know what it is. Or maybe you need to come and bow and say, God, I know what it is. I've just not been doing it. Here I am. Here's my sacrifice. Here's all that I am. Here's my body. Here's my worship, my spiritual worship to you. God, take me and use me however you want to use me. Please stand. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.